Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show that's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. That 10% discount is yours via levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Dan with you. Michael's here as well. And so is Moscow White. Uh, you can get all these podcasts ad free in a dedicated podcast feed in your chosen podcast app as well via TSB Plus, our membership package. You get priority access to the match ball after the game. Loads of perks, extra, uh, we can't say content, can we, Moscow? It's not content. Shows. No, they are podcasts. Yes, extra shows in the form I don't, of... I don't know if you've encountered the Buttercup. <laughs> I mean, that's it's, it's definitely a podcast, it is, isn't it? But yep. it's, uh... The Buttercup is very good. That's over on the Extra Ball, our, our bonus show that we do for uh, for members. And that is a, it's a cup, head-to-head cup of Lonies who've represented Leeds over the last uh, 15, 20 years. Mm. It's, a, it's a thrill ride. Uh, Phil Hay, we've even managed to uh, cudgel him into <laughs> into getting involved in this. Yeah, we get him when he's here and he can't move. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Just stay that down, Phil. And we've had a, a double header about Eric Cantona as well this mm. week. Former Leeds United favourite Eric Cantona and his his arrival and his departure from Leeds United. And we concluded he was a big old waste of space, didn't we? <laughs> Not biased at all. If you want to have a look at TSB Plus, it's at the squareball.net forward slash plus. Fairly quiet news week then for uh, for part one of the show. So let's take a look at what is going on in the Premier League in general. And Michael, are you going to bravely call now who's going down? Well, I did put this... Because um, we are at the, what is called the business end of the season, aren't we? Yeah, I suppose we are. Can we start our business end after this week? Because the Liverpool and Spurs... Yeah, that's fine. Don't really fancy oh, we'll, that. We'll, 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 we're going to do the Spurs preview in part two. We'll beat them, don't worry Let's about that. Let's say the last 12 games are the business end, because that looks more yeah, um, okay. achievable. I mean, yeah. Moscow, you've been reassuring me in recent weeks that Newcastle can't win any games, and also that Watford and Burnley won't win any games, and they're all winning games. How do you account for this? I, I, I feel was like, wrong. I, I, feel like you should inter- I feel like you should intervene. <laughs> I mean, and three 0 Burnley winning. That's just that's just too much. Brighton had um, well, they sold down Burnley to Newcastle, and then their two who are the other good centre backs? It's Webster Ben and White. Ben White. Yeah. Ben White's already <laughs> gone, and who's the other one that's decent? They were all gone anyway. The one was suspended, one was injured, so it wasn't their proper team, and they just choked. Right. Let uh, Burnley do whatever they wanted. I mean, that doesn't only get Burnley up to two wins for the season. It's not it, exactly. It does. It's not a run, is it? How does a run start though? Well. It becomes a run when you string a few of these together, but they're not going to do, are they? Probably not. I did have them avoiding relegation, though, when I went through these results. Okay. Um, so have you, you've basically put these into a predictor. This, this is where we're at. We've got all the result, the uh, fixtures, sorry, for the the bottom eight teams on a, on, yeah. a, on a thing here. What is it? Spreadsheet? Yeah, I just put them on one sheet to make it easier. I did go through and, and estimate points, which is obviously ridiculously impossible, but I did have us staying up just. 
by, by three points. By, by three. By three points. Although I think it was very close, though. There were two teams in between us as well. I had Watford, Norwich, and Brentford going down. But that's that, interesting. But the Brentford Burnley switch was dependent on the result of their game. So if if that went the other way, the relegation went the other way as well. So mm. it's tight. Brentford are spiralling and they're hilarious. And Thomas Frank has completely lost his mind, whatever he had. I don't know if you've been, I've been writing, sort of trying to keep up with what's been going on in the, uh, the other games on our blog. And so I've been giving my face full Frank, um, which is unusual from earlier in the season, paying attention to the things he said. So after they, when they drew so, nil, so nil. Just, are we allowed to speak about Brentford just before you get into this I do know it became a problem earlier in the season just keep it respectful because a problem for you I wasn't here they would have been absolutely comfortable with anything are I they, said are they living rent free in our heads or are we just talking about what's going on in the division just need to check before we carry on anyway they drew nil nil with Brentford <laughs> doesn't even dignify uh, with they the are answer. Brentford they drew nil nil with <laughs> Crystal Palace and what he liked was that the consistency in performances continued which was um, yes that goalless draw came after six defeats in a row so it was certainly consistent and it was their first clean sheet since November 28th, which he said, ha we finally got over the line. But I think uh, the Wolves game was also a clean sheet performance. That was a game that they lost 2-1. Mm. Um, Feels like he's got that one wrong there, Moscow. And against Manchester City, who beat them 2-0, he said it was close to being a clean sheet performance. <laughs> and then this weekend, uh, they lost 2-1 to Arsenal. And uh, he said he was very proud of um, his players because they defended fantastically. We defended the box superb. I don't know why I'm looking at you when I say this, but um, which is not necessarily wrong, but you do have to take into account that for the second Arsenal goal, Pontus Janssen lost the ball or was beaten in a tackle in Arsenal's half. Mm. And then they ran on and scored. So you can say, you know, there was nothing wrong with the way Brentford defended the box, but I think Pontus Janssen being up the other end, lying on the ground, wanting a free kick, was maybe not a, a contribution. Arsenal had 24 shots against um, the old Brentford boys, and I just don't know when they are going to win if this guy keeps coming away from, uh, we lost 2-0, but uh, we defended brilliantly and it was uh, very close to a clean sheet performance. What's a clean sheet performance? It's when you don't concede any goals. So but they concede goals. He needs to redefine his definition, doesn't he? And I was going to say, but their next three games, you've got Newcastle at home, Norwich away, Burnley at home, so there's some important fixtures coming up there. Nil-nil draws throughout. If they could actually get some clean sheet performances, um, I think it would help us if they would just draw all their games. How would you like this one to pan out? I know... Um, the other teams to go down. I was going to say, would, would you be happiest? And it's starting to shape up a little bit like that, but I'm aware Burnley have got games in hand, but if we could just get the bottom three cut adrift, is that, um, would that just... Yeah, ideally, a bottom three that's properly cut adrift and then another one that's the team that would get dragged in that isn't us also. As long as it's not us then. <laughs> Yeah, just just keep us keep us a long way from it. I mean, we've got it is in our powers to do it because we have winnable home games: Villa, Norwich, Southampton. If we win those, I think I I had us to get in an extra thirteen points for the rest of this season. If we can win in the games we should win, mm. well, I was we're, we're say, kind of almost there. That is what I did when I uh, went away and looked at this like over the weekend before I think before we played Man United, and I concluded that twelve points would probably see us safe, thirteen almost definitely mm. um, out of these remaining fixtures. And if and if we can't get that, we do probably deserve to go down. If we can't achieve that over the course of a season, we we deserve to be where we are. Because if we get to thirty five, you're then talking about the other teams effectively, all three of them at the bottom: Watford, Burnley, Norwich, having to double the points tallies they've got so far in the season in the remaining. 13, 14, 15, 16 games in mm -hmm. the case of Burnley. It's a big ask. You're asking them to improve their output, you know, greatly compared to what they've done so far. 
The other thing I did discover doing this is that not having many games left to play in the case of Brentford is a real disadvantage. Yeah. Because you can't get as many points when you haven't got as many yeah, games to only play. Got 12 left, haven't so they? So it's, um, yeah, they've, they must have just avoided postponements, I guess, during the, the COVID times around Christmas. So they've, they've ended up playing loads more games than everyone else. Burnley have kind of got the opposite problem in that they've still got games that are yet to be scheduled because they're trying to squeeze stuff into the, and they're, and they're probably going to end up with some cup rearrangements as well if they end up, I don't know when their game's against like, Good teams who are still in the cup. I don't. I don't pay much attention to the FA Cup once we get knocked out. But um, there'll be something moved in there as well, probably. So hopefully they'll end up with a big clog, and that giant they've got up front will break his legs. And the other um, thing to factor into this is as well, a lot of these sides still have to play one another, so everyone's going to be taking points off each other. So the more draws we can get in there, the fine, because then both teams drop two points. And I know everyone goes, well, we shouldn't have to rely on other people, but that's how a table works. And you can't help. I just. It was so much fun last year not having to look at the table, wasn't it? But we did. That's not true. We still were. That's this not true. Time. Yeah, we. we I we hate. Won't it. Say. I didn't. I didn't. Fulham, hate, I didn't. Fulham hate are gonna it. come good. It's got to the point now with me. I don't know about you, but I've stopped sleeping properly again now. Mm. Um, like I'm waking up early every morning thinking about football because it's stressing me. Because I just that's why. And again, you know, we talked about the reasons why we want to get this this season over versus actually trying to enjoy the individual moments that might yet occur. Like for example, Sunday, perfect example. That minute of brilliance um, with the two goals but then set it against the, the four that we shipped at the other end but yeah it, it's stressing me now and I just want us to I want to know that we're going to be alright it's a massively immature way to look at things but you know here we are I'm a football fan maturity is not my job is it yeah it, it's definitely playing on my mind in a way that it didn't last year I know you're saying we weren't we weren't safe but we were we, there was a, certainly more distance we were safer, safer than this we were safer than this I think that was the thing maybe once Calvin comes back everything will be fine I mean, we can just get a few win, win a few games in a row. Just a bit of a run would completely sort us out at this stage. I actually you, think a win, a, a win in the next. If we, I mean, I know it's Liverpool away, it's Spurs at home, but if we were to somehow win one of those games, it puts a massively different complexion on the table because then you probably only need nine or ten points to stay up from the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the wins that are massive, isn't it? Quite frankly, I, I also against the Man United, I kind of came up with an idea of how we can do it as well and it's just playing all your best players at once. Yeah. All the players will score goals. Mm-hmm. So that's Rafinha and Galhart. Just put them on the pitch Yeah, and we might stay up because the defence is a complete <laughs> shit show. So let's just pretend that's not happening and try it's and not, score more goals. As Marcelo said this morning in the press conference Tuesday morning, it's not the defence. I didn't say the defence as mm. he replied. I said the defensive unit. And he's right. Yep. It, isn't, it isn't a one-off thing, is it? Well, you, yeah. you could maybe, if your defensive unit is struggling... Get some better players for your defensive unit. Put one in defensive midfield. Sign, got... sign somebody for fifty million pounds and mm. put him in there. Mm. Should we do that? that? Just let Dan James chase people. That <laughs> might that might also do the job. What do you reckon to the rest of the season then, Moscow? You th- I mean, you're normally quite zen about it and confident that we'll stay up. It's interesting that we are still above Everton and Newcastle. I know uh, Everton have got a game in hand, but Everton. I think it's important to stress what Everton did over the weekend is exactly what everybody, every Leeds fan knew they were going to do, which is go to Southampton and be absolutely diabolical. Absolutely no trace of anything that they did against Leeds that worked for them was just all out the window because they cared about beating Leeds and they didn't care about uh, beating Southampton. And now Frank Lampard has already gone back after his uh, his chucklesome time against um, us when um, he was uh, giggling away on the, um, the uh, sidelines, taking all the credit for everything that's good. Um, straight in after the game sensing uh, you're not a fan the players need to understand that the second half is not good enough <laughs> is that what he sounds enough I, <laughs> it's funny it sounded like Solskjaer I had to speak to them he had to speak to them Oof. can you imagine because I have been very positive and the staff 
we have had an uplift. But today we drifted back into being a team I don't want us to be. So the players need to hear it. Oh, so they've, they've gone back to being Benitez's Everton, haven't they? Exactly. And he's talking about the players' mentality. Whereas his mentality is fine because he's gone in, he's been positive, arm around the shoulder. Just want you enjoy your football. We'll get Delhi in and he's like, oh, we'll, we'll put a smile on his face. It reminds me of Steve Evans when he said um, that when he arrived, Suleiman Dakara's heart was crying. But three weeks with Steve Evans and he's coming into training with a smile on his face. No. And that this is it. Lampard's whole act, he's, he just falls into that group of self-serving managers, the Warnocks, the Steve Evans of this world, who when everything is about when Bielsa talks about what he does it's about I am taking responsibility for this but when he when Lampard talks about what he does it's about him saying I've had to speak to the player I've had to speak to them I've had to do something because and it was the same when he talked about um, when they lost at Newcastle and he was asked you know you've played at St James's Park you know what the atmosphere here can be like what did you tell the players to prepare them for that he said well told them to be prepared for it <laughs> and then he started going about like no obviously <laughs> and then his, but he, you think that's a joke, but then he was actually, he backed it up as serious. It's like, no, I told them before the game. That handle they had, it, wasn't They it? had to handle it. They had to yeah. be prepared for it. So it's not, so he told them. <laughs> um, oh, dear. Sorry if anyone's listening on headphones. Um, he, Hopefully the, uh, the cleanup process on the podcast will take out all the mic thumps that have just happened. He told them <laughs> and they didn't do it. And that's going to be the story of Everton's season. And that could only last for so long. You have the first couple of weeks where it's like, oh, yeah, God, Rafa was boring, wasn't he? But Frank, Frank's a good lad. And then they lose one and they get all this. And like, oh, Frank's a dickhead. Actually, I mean, he? it goes back to, I don't know, we don't need to spend too long on Lampard, but it does go back to, and this is part, I think, the, the, one of the reasons why Leeds fans don't like him because of that glossy reputation he's got with the media who love him. But also there was the accusations coming from within Chelsea that didn't really do any sort of tactical work no. a lot of the time. And he's left Jordi Morris behind this time, hasn't he? He's got somebody else the brains. Um, to do all, all the work for him. But it does, it does fit because it's relevant because one of the things that Everton are relying on to get them out of trouble is him continuing. I mean, they can win at home, they haven't won away yet. And then we've not got... Um, Aston Villa's results here. They're going for Europe, they said the other week. When we, when we managed to get that draw with them, they were saying the uh, European dreams looking a bit of a stretch now. I mean, mm, certainly they're, is. Uh, they're four points ahead of us. They should. Like, if we were there where Villa are, we'd be comfortable, but they'll be fine. Gerard was not happy with them after losing to Watford at the weekend, and they did. I watched a bit of that, and they were poor, and they shouldn't be losing to the, Watford the way they, they did. There were criticisms uh, on their forum saying they should have stuck with um, Dean Smith. I don't know, it's just, mm. you all get the swivel-eyed lunatics, but I mean, like already people are writing him off. I mean, Gerard was another one who was talking about motivation and um, the players have got to motivate themselves. So that seems to me like they're not, they're not motivated. And he also started talking about how they don't have enough quality in the final third. And this goes back to their summer strategy where they were like, nope, we've done all the analysis. We'll sell uh, Jack Grealish for £100 million and statistically we will replace him with these three players. And when you look at the numbers they've put up, they have scored goals. There are assists there from... Um, Buendia and uh, Ings and Bailey that probably do add up but it's not worked and they've already got Ollie Watkins and now they've signed Philip Coutinho I don't know how many more quality forward players they need to actually be a good attacking team but Steven Gerrard seems to think they're not and they couldn't score against Watford so mm. where do they go from there? Hopefully down <laughs> <laughs> I would like six you asked me how I wanted the rest of the season to go I'd like six teams to be relegated and none of them to be leads that's mm. the thing but we are in the bottom six though that is one thing to 
to point out about this. Um, but yeah, no, I don't right. care. We can. I think we should finish bottom, but stay up. But you are you are right though. If we if we chalked some of the, as I was saying before, if we chalked some of the three points onto this, and we were on twenty six, and Villa are only on twenty seven, it would look a lot healthier. You go, yeah, that's that's probably too big a gap for for the teams at the bottom to close. But even then, that's where the the original conversation about how safe you can be. We did have we were having that conversation. I, mean, I was never particularly worried last season. I don't think we were, but there was the spectre of Fulham getting their act together was always there, even though we were up where the likes of Leicester and Aston Villa are now. But you know. Leicester's form isn't helping them get away from the relegation worries below them. And would, it's weird because we're not, we said the business end. It's 14 games, the business end. We're getting close to it. As he said, two more yeah, games maybe. and then close to the business end. And Burnley having like 35 matches left to play is obviously confusing. I think it'll, it'll feel like the business end, as it, actually, as you said, I mean, like, Joking aside, when we get these two out of the way, because you are identifying that run of fixtures as this is the, the, the fate of the season lies in Leicester away, Villa at home, Wolves away, Norwich at home, Southampton at home, and then Watford away. I mean, that, that's, well, where, that's where it's going to be won or lost, isn't it? Just strolling away from this whole burning wreck of a relegation battle was was possible with the Newcastle and Everton games. If we won those two, that would be so... It would be long forgotten with the fact we're in a relegation it's, battle. But we buggered it up. I mean, get all, four, four, uh, point, four points puts us mid-table along with Leicester and, and Villa, doesn't it? So it's fine margins. Mm-hmm. I think it's above them. Southampton is the line. Because Southampton are on 32 points, they've played 25 games. But below them, you know, Leicester and Villa need to be careful. They're not in, they're not in mad trouble, but they do just need to take care of things. They've got good some good players, haven't they? So you, yeah, you they'll, they'll, have, they'll have enough, yeah. won't they? Too. And Crystal Palace as well, On you know, we're, they're only three points ahead of us. We have a game in hand. They have the manager with the roundest head in the league as well, so that's mm. going to help. And they've got Conor Gallagher, <laughs> and um, but they're quite low on them. Um, wins, you know, Villa have won eight, Crystal Palace have only won five, Brentford have won more than them, we've won five as well. The bottom half of the Premier League is not, there isn't a safe place in it yet. Um, it's Southampton upwards where everyone can just go relax. So the, the wins over Newcastle and Everton would have made us feel so much better, but there's still the wariness and maybe the uh, the performance against Scum hopefully suggests that there's a bit of um, like screwed heads on. And we know that we've got Calvin Phillips hopefully coming back. Just looking at that bottom half and on this sheet we've got the form table as well which shows you the last five games you know like you get the tick or the cross or the uh, or the line for the draw. I'm just totting up the number of wins there have been in the bottom half uh, is one, two, three, four, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's just ten wins in that entire bottom half from a sample size of 50 games. Mm. So one in five and three of those are Newcastle who've had a, a bounce um, but they may yet plateau a little bit because they've lost St Maximan. I'm interested to see Brentford's next three games. I think that'll be interesting to see because we're kind of highlighting our and Trippier. our section of, of must-win matches in in a few weeks' time. But Brentford's next three games are, and bear in mind they have far fewer games in the first place, they have Newcastle at home, Norwich away, Burnley home, Leicester away. If they come off that with anything less than probably six points, hmm. you have to say they're in an well, awful well, lot well, of trouble. Well, this is the beautiful thing, isn't it? They either get dragged in via that or they help to get rid of the bottom three. Mm-hmm. Well, they're—I don't know what they've uh, what they really offer at the moment because their last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven—I can't count three. It's they've had one draw one, two, and seven defeats in eight, I think. Yes, something like that. And one of those defeats was to Everton in the FA Cup, which you can probably count because it was like a first-team fixture. But so if you take that into account, they're six in a row. That's not good. And I don't care how Thomas Frank tries to spin it. Like, oh no, we 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 were near to some clean sheets. We saw some in the distance, 
that's not going to help them. And um, and the goals, they're not scoring either in any particularly wild numbers. So Brentford are the big uh, worries and it would also be, you know, funny. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, I suspect the bottom three as it is now might go down, but you never quite know, do you? It's, it's going to take a hell of a run from Burnley, even though they've got the, you know, the surplus of games to do. They've got 16 left. It's, it's still quite a big ask, isn't it, to... To close that gap, they're already five adrift. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, you always then caveat it with your own form to think that Burnley have got to this stage of the season and they've won two, because that's pathetic. But then you look at us and we've won five and you're like, well, that's not great, is it? <laughs> and we've conceded a huge amount of goals as mm. well. But I was joking about um, pissing Deitch off by, you know, if we concede 100 goals and stay up and he has like the best defence in the division and goes down, that'd just be funny. But how are they going to get all those wins that they need between now and the end of the season. Can they draw themselves to safety? Watford managed to get a win against a limp Villa. Are they going to be playing limp teams every week? But then are we going to beat Leicester, Villa, Wolves, mm. Norwich, Southampton, Watford? That's the big that's the big run of games. Well, we probably need we need three wins out of it, don't we? And then some draws probably is going to be enough. But I'd quite like to see us go out there and win sort of four of the remaining games. That would make things a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Just let's have a nice relaxing end to the season and have a, we, let's have a bit of a party atmosphere at Ellen Road for at least some games. Yeah, particularly if, if this a is horrible, tense kind of. I mean, there's, as I say, I don't want that. It's kind of been. It's sort of fun in a way. It makes you feel alive, doesn't it's like, it? It's like heroin. It's <laughs> something to look forward to. <laughs> like, like, like we being, have to win. Yeah, like the game, the win against Palace felt like a really big win. Whereas if that had have come at the end of last season, it'd have been like, wait, well, hey, that's good. The draw against Brentford. And those things, I mean, it's uh, you're getting into generalities about the Premier League, but when you're in it and your second season out of the Championship, all you've got to really look forward to is staying in it. So it's that thing of, do we have a, a, a bus parade when we stay up? Because it is a massive achievement to stay in the Premier League, no matter what kind of uh, strategy you deploy, what your transfers you do, what tactics you have, who your manager is, any of that kind of stuff. If you manage to stay in the Premier League, then you are doing well. And it's all about staying there for as long as you can out of uh, once you've you're promoted. But there's a chance as well with these games coming up because we're still we are still before the stage of last season where we went on the good run, and it was the good run last year that kind of gave us that um, esteem where we felt like oh this is Leeds we're back we're a ninth mid table we could get into Europe next season all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that we're going to go on another run and win ten in a row, but I would like given the way that the first half of the season went with so many injuries and whatever else has affected us, to go to Leicester and Villa and Wolves and Southampton and Watford and Palace and just beat them and just say that actually whatever happened in the first half of the season, Leeds United is in the mix with those teams. Mm -hmm. We're we're not, because it's the thing about um, the letdown after losing to Scum and the Wednesday night will be when we lose to Liverpool, they're not the teams that we're competing with. And that's when people send you like, all these, uh, this great um, tearing out of hair about how we can't, you can't use this system against Manchester City and Liverpool. And all this stuff. They're going to beat us anyway. It's what, whether the system... That's the spirit. <laughs> it's whether the system and whether what that's we do... That's your Liverpool preview, don't there's, there's me being positive and happy clappy as usual. It's whether your system and the way you play and the players you have can beat... Leicester, Villa, Wolves. That's where we need to be beating those teams. And I will be more annoyed, and I'm more annoyed that we haven't done it so far this season of getting uh, results against those sides. It's maybe even 
if you want to be charitable to, to Leeds, you say, okay, yeah, second season out, if you've finished in the bottom six, it's enough. But if you want those signs of progress, the progress will be consistently beating Wolves. I don't think we've uh, we've even got a point off them since we've been promoted, have we? Bastards. Um, we, did, we did draw earlier in the season. Did we get a point for yeah. it? <laughs> I think we did, yeah. They, did, oh, they okay. do still do that. It's yeah. the Rodrigo like penalty. Uh, yeah, the 95th minute. Yeah, trophy um, one. I was just going to say, just on that final home game, if you look at the, the run of home games, the last three are Chelsea at home, Man City at home. I mean, Chelsea, you probably give us, in a weird way, more of a fighting chance than against Man City. You just obviously seem to have our number based on the evidence earlier in the season. But Not last season. You don't know if we if we can get something resembling a midfield out against them. Who knows what could happen? I but mean, we, we got through it at Ellen Road last season when Calvin Phillips looked absolutely lost for half an hour and then we got it together. So um, City, uh, uh, we'll beat City. We'll lose to Liverpool, but we'll beat Manchester City. Well, and, and who knows, they may have have the league wrapped up and be resting place for the Champions League or something, in which yeah, case they'll, in, they'll only have to play their second string of uh, actually, half a billion pounds. If there is still a title race at that point, it might make them nervous. You never know. Mm. You never know. Um, but I was just going to say, finally on this point, was that Brighton at home, I'd like that to be a nice day where there's, you know, it's not a fixture you're necessarily going to get that wound up for. It's not the same as like Man United at home, is it? Or Liverpool or anything like that. It's just one of those middling clubs. And um, if it is Bielsa's final home game where we can celebrate him and enjoy it, you know? Don't talk about it. We have to face up to it, don't we? No, no. Why? We probably do, but yeah, we'll do it nearer the time. <laughs> not not yet. But it'll be, it, could, it could be and should be and hopefully will be a carnival day. Should we go for that? Let's have that rather than um, a relegation. We don't want Leeds. I was going to say just finally, we don't want Leeds Fury, whatever that is. <laughs> no, Leeds Furries, yeah, people dressing up in costumes, etc. No, Fury did slightly sim- similar, but slightly different. It's not furry. Are you are you signed up, Moscow, for the Fury? Um, I have actually followed it on Twitch. Yes, oh, on Twitch. Yes, for the benefit of anybody who doesn't know what it is, and I don't quite know what it is. It seems to be like a gaming space they've created for. Yeah, you can just watch people playing computer games. All right. I do that like, at home when my son does that. It's a bit like watching people playing football. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Is it any good? Not really. <laughs> I tried watching it last year because they did the, um, they put the uh, Pez Championship on. Pez being the little sweets you get on holiday with the, yeah. with the neck back. Pro Evo, as it's also called. Not even that. Anymore, I think it's changed it? its name yeah. again, hasn't it? So there were people um, competing against each other on computer games. Uh, playing football computer games and I did I can't remember I mean it was um, lockdown wasn't it so there was really very little you could do I suppose you could watch one of the fantastic creations of world cinema from the last hundred years of moving images or you could watch some people playing uh, computer (laughs) games on your telly I mean, given that on the extra ball early episodes we played a board game and there were no pictures, mm-hmm. we were just describing it. I don't think we can criticise anybody for Leeds Fury. Well, this we? is it. it. It does get sneered at because people say, "Oh, you're just watching people playing a game." But then football, you know, I could play football or I could watch teams playing football mm-hmm. who were better at it than me. And you know, if I, I mean, I did when I was growing up. I played lots and lots of uh, sensible world of soccer and Swaz. I have looked on. Uh, I've uh, looked on Twitch to see if anybody's playing much of that and to see if I can see what some people playing it and have a bit of um, that would be nostalgia and then I was intrigued by the tournament last year because is he called um, Aleppo or something the guy who represents Leeds in these is an ice lolly um, I think he might be Icelandic oh. I'm not sure I think he, he might be uh, from a Scandinavian that's uh, a joke on Cal- a joke on Calippo one of our friends from up there and um, I'm feigning ignorance to try and make there was a l- jokes there was a he's, not even, he's not even indulging me is he bit nope of good uh, where 
just that thing that sport does where if it's one team against another and you have even the vaguest association of one, even if you just like the kit, you start rooting for him. So I was quite, I was hoping he would do well and it's fine like I can understand the um, is it as good as our championship manager stream because that's on YouTube now by the way sell 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 absolutely not I mean that's um, and that's 24 hours of pure pleasure watching that whereas this it doesn't even come close is anyone but, drunk um, on this I mean they don't seem to be old enough for any of that it was oh, okay. genuinely because they <laughs> uh, they they show the, the they have the video cameras on them as they're playing you are watching like lads sitting in their bedrooms but they do um, maybe a, an indication of how it's quite lucrative. Some of them is, uh, um, I think it was a Man City one, um, or their representative. He had like a his personal logo done in neon hanging on his bedroom wall. So it was all like his bedroom's all purple. Um, and then you've got like his unmade bed just there. But then it's all big, this whole like setup and all the, the gifts and things that he's been given are all there to see that he's, you know, he's prospering. It's a bad world, isn't it? Yeah, and no, that's why I take an interest in it is to see just how how strange twenty twenty two is uh, is becoming. Michael, how old are your boys? Eight. Do you get them drunk before they play computer games? <laughs> oh, <Always. Yeah. laughs> I don't have to get them drunk. They, they just have themselves straight to the cupboard. They, they know where they, they know where the booze is. They yeah. just just help themselves. <laughs> just takes the edge off, doesn't yeah, exactly. it? Exactly. Calms them down a little bit. Right. Um, that does wrap up part one. Then we've got um, heroes and villains to come in part three. Part two, we will uh, preview Liverpool and Spurs. Liverpool and Spurs. Yay. It's going to be good, isn't it? Rafinha's got to be back in for Liverpool, is he? Are you saving for Spurs? What do you do? Well, Bielsa says the fact he didn't start in the last game doesn't mean his role or hierarchy in the team doesn't mutate. Mm. Whatever that means. He doesn't feel very happy, the Rafinha. This, <laughs> it feels like this is this is going towards a, a, a sad breakup in the summer a bit, doesn't it, given where we are at the minute? Well, you've already said Bielsa's leaving, so can we keep one of them at least? Uh, yeah. Rafinha as player manager. Pick himself, wouldn't he? Bielsa is just saying what he said before and I think it was about Jamie Shackleton that if you're in the squad you're a first team player and whether you start or not is irrelevant you've got three players will come on during the course of the game if you're one of them you are in the first team Bielsa tries to sort of separate the idea of being a starter and a first team player are two different things and even if you don't come on the pitch you are part of the first team and it's just what he wanted for that game to Liverpool then and they just they don't lose they haven't lost in 2022 yet eight straight wins in all competitions they did have um, a couple of injuries against Norwich in the form of Jota and Firmino but they, they struggled through with their threadbare squad didn't mm. they just uh, Luis Diaz got um, parachuted in just the £40 million pounds he was he uh, did alright I mean yeah I, I watched quite a lot of this game because I was I thought well it might bring me some joy because at least I'll get to watch Norwich losing mm-hmm. and then they were kind of alright and they took the lead and in my head, they did pretty well in this game and came close to winning. And then I looked at the stats and Liverpool had like 30 shots or something. And it was like, oh, okay. They actually got fairly well battered. And mm. it just so happened that Norwich was one shot on target, went in. They looked, they did look a bit dangerous in attack, did Norwich, at points in that first half when it was nil-nil and the game's still in the balance. But you always just get that sense for Liverpool, well, it's just a matter of time they'll score at some point. And they did. And you don't want to make them angry, do you? That was the, that's part of the reason why I didn't want Norwich to win, actually. I thought, apart from obviously the league table, was we don't want Liverpool playing us angry on Wednesday. Yeah, I only watched the. I turned it on after Norwich had gone ahead, and all I saw was eleven Norwich players behind the ball and Jordan Henderson just getting it and giving it to another Liverpool player, and them having a shot over and over and over and over until they'd scored two. The second one was obviously a bit different. It was uh, 
pure Warnock ball, just a big long punt up the middle. Got lucky, put the... Uh, um, where's, your, where's your gag and press now? Yeah, right? gun came out flapping at it and he was lost and then just uh, there was only um, Grant Hanley to beat. So it really was like a reminder of um, pure championship. Um, it was maybe quite a good pass from the from Allison, But yeah, it was terrifying. If you want a positive spin on it, it reminded me of Leeds at our best in the championship when we used to do that to teams. We'd park on the edge of their area and every time the ball came out, we'd just get it, put it wide again, go in and have a shot. But Liverpool have much, much better players than most other teams in the world. And them doing that to us... <clears throat> It was a, it's not going to go well. The home game could best be described as a comprehensive 3 0. Yeah. It, it was a generous 3 0. It actually. could have got quite ugly, could that had more of their chances gone. It was Mane missed about three or four, didn't he? Really, really, really good chances. And it was an early, it was one of Furpo's early games, wasn't it? And he was up against Salah. And I mean, that's he's a, he's a horrible person to play against. He's, he's just unbelievably good. And he goes down really easily as well. So you've got that horrible thing of you can't really tackle him, but you can't afford to not tackle him either. He's just—he's very, very good at manoeuvring his body into positions where he's impossible to take the ball off. And then he scores that goal every week where he cuts in and with one foot or another just twats it into the corner from a tight angle. Puts it, and puts you it, puts it across the keeper. And you just kind of think, how can he do it every week? Yeah. It's just, there's, there's nothing you can do about it, weirdly, because he's just so bloody good at it. Yeah, I don't see us getting anything from this. The only hope is something like last season at Anfield, the 4-3, which um, is strange to kind of compare to the scum game on... Sunday because we loved that game everybody was overjoyed by the 4-3 at Anfield but if you'd moved it into like February of this season everyone would be furious and would want Bielsa strung up for it so it's kind of an an interesting indication of how things have changed in terms of perception at least but maybe not with Leeds United because we're still playing exactly the same kind of crazy stuff they score four we get three it feels oh, like on. it feels like chaos is the only way we could possibly get something out of this. Like when you know, like the Man United game turned into a bit of chaos, didn't it? That's well, we just need the chaos to sort of favour us or us to emerge somehow from the wreckage with the with more goals than them. Because if we let them just play their game, which they are highly likely to do, and impose their game on us, then it's just going to be a defeat, isn't it? It kind of goes to the heart of Bielsa's whole deal, where you know Norwich. I'm just looking up how many shots they actually had. In their good game, they had six shots, one on target, um, four off target, and a couple blocked. And we had against Scum 16 shots, one more than them, six on target, six off, and four blocked. So Bielsa's point, or one of the things he was saying after the Scum game, was about how we had as many chances as they had. They just took them because they're much better at taking chances. And it's kind of... It, it gives us a hope in a match that Norwich or we'll use Norwich as an example don't have if they're only going to have one shot on target. Mm. If we have four shots on target, six on target, in fact it was, six chances to score where you can look back and say, oh, if that one, if Harrison's one had gone, if Dan James had got to that header, Norwich, they got their one shot, they got it in um, and then tried to defend it and failed. Whereas, you know, if we have, if Joffy comes on and has a great game, if um, we could lose eight two, that's what you're saying. Or you know, it's um, if you take your chances, you can get at teams. That's the point, isn't yes. it? I mean, this is it. I mean, and Norwich proved it, and it's Norwich, and with the greatest will in, you know, let's be respectful about them because they're in this division. But they showed that you can get in Liverpool. behind Liverpool, even if they were at terrible quality in the final third. If we can just be better than that and score some, then no, we just call them mustard-headed weirdos. If you like, uh, it's my respect towards Norwich. So 
it's not it's not that there's no hope it's just a very very slim one and it's not fun going into games thinking oh well we might sneak something out of this if we're very very lucky yeah. you know once in a blue moon but then speaking of blue moons look at what happened at Man City last year every and, now and again and look at what happened with uh, Man City against Spurs and it's kind of um, that's just down to that's football isn't it yeah and what we get they were with, too gassed that was the issue chill out what we get with Bielsa sending the team out to do what they do is that we'll get chances in every game. And if we take them, then we have a chance of winning it. You know, and the the game at Anfield last year, if that game, when it came to an end, you didn't want it to end because if there had been another 20 minutes, I bet we would have scored again and they probably would have scored again. And it's a matter of what at what time the whistle blows while these goals are being scored at, at either end. And there was some of that on um, Saturday as well, where after they'd gone to 3-2, you have matches, clicks, having that volley and we're back in their box and we're creating chances. And if you don't, it's, if you don't create chances, you don't score. And too many, the attitude of a lot of teams going to places like Anfield and um, they don't play at Main Road anymore is, um, we're not going to try, we'll just try and defend and try and get a point. And you, neither way is guaranteed to win, but at least one might get some goals in our favour even if it means many more for them. I, I can tell you what chance we have of winning. A 5% chance. Okay. According to the odds, which seems probably about did I say, right. Did I say 1 in 20? I did actually, didn't I? Did you? Yeah, I well, think I might. It's exactly right then. Oh, well, see, how many, I, I was trying to look at this, but the, the way of working out is too complicated, but how many other teams in the Premier League have like Liverpool beaten this season? Have they beaten all of them? Probably most of them. Because that's it. The, the number of teams at the end of a season, they've lost twice. So of all the games they've played, there's only there's a maximum of two teams in this league have actually managed to beat them. One was Leicester, weirdly. You can't predict them. It will be something like Manchester City last year. How many games did they lose once they were um, winning the title last year? We need some chaos, don't we? We need a red card. We need them to get a red card and then we possession them to death. Something <laughs> like that. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, it's one option. I was going to say, actually, we're, um, maybe, I mean, you know, football does turn on moments, doesn't it? Like we're saying there about Dan James failing to score that 3-2 against Scom on Sunday and then they got the other end and score is that if, I don't know, one player who is in this side happens to think, oh, I've got a cup final, even on a subconscious level, I've got a cup final on Sunday, 5% less, slightly less committed in a tackle, we happen to win that tackle, something like um, Forshaw did on, on Fernandez. You never know. I mean, you probably do, but you never know. Play Gelhart. He's a Liverpool fan, isn't he? I think. Yes. So, so he'll score. Fairy tale. Alan Smith style fairy tales it, at the cop end and all that. It's the rules that he they, will score. Uh, they rejected him as a child, as did Everton. Mm. I don't know if uh, baby Joff has always carried that resentment with him. Yeah, he'd enjoy that, wouldn't he? I think I'd enjoy it if he scored. Mm. So let's do that. Onto, a goal of any kind. Yes, onto Spurs. Um, and that's the thing we've got. We have got goals in us. That's just so we can take our chances. Onto Spurs. I fancy us to get something out of this game. I know people are kind of down on it at the minute, but... Um, it's only because they beat Man City. No, but we can, get, we can get a Spurs. We can get a Spurs. We were all right for like the half a game down there earlier in the season. We mm. were all right. They're not even vaguely consistent. Like they, they just are all over the place. Beating Man City was, if anything, you look at their results and you would say that's an anomaly because generally speaking, they've beaten teams who you probably would fancy them to beat and then lost and drawn a few. And it's there's just nothing going for them. Like, it feels like with Conte coming in, they expected to turn into like a, a winning machine as Conte had it. Chelsea when he first came in and actually they're just kind of spursy still mm. they'll probably beat us like but <laughs> well I mean it goes back to the the thing we say every week when you look at it player versus player one on one squad versus squad you go yeah on paper they should beat us but the beauty of what our system does when it's good when it works is that you know the, the, the some of the parts is greater than the parts themselves isn't it it's um, a lot more you can get out of our squad relative to a lot of other squads you know that cost a lot more money 
the beauty of football in general. I mean, if we lost that, there's there's no point. Is there? If it's if it is all settled by wage bill and transfer budget, it comes close. But you uh, you cling to the idea that that might not happen. And yeah, when you you remember the number of times that you've seen like Eric Dyer just being absolutely terrible, you think well maybe he'll be terrible in in this one. And if you're talking about um, the the relative form of French goalkeepers, Hugo Lloris looks uh, under pressure, doesn't he? There's somebody um, somebody coming for his place in the national team that's making him worried. So, um, and, you know, Harry Kane can't run. <laughs> he can pass really well. Yeah. He's a dead good finisher, but if we just kind of... Uh, if it comes to work rate, you, you can... Well, that's one of the things that I found interesting about watching Ronaldo on Sunday is that there was no press. And we managed to beat them pressing us quite a bit and playing out from the back when we were at our best in that game because he wasn't doing the running. I can't remember if we highlighted it on the, the match ball, but to go back to it, but Bruno Fernandes, when he didn't get a, a pass through, he was like he wanted it into our penalty area, through such a fit, absolute massive tantrum. And Scum had to delay their next move because he was having a tantrum offside. And I know we sometimes, because you always have your attention on our club. And if, if you remember the Dan James not going off against Aston Villa, and everyone was like, oh, Oh my God, what's, is this a rift with Bielsa? Has there been an, argu- an argument like, is Rafinha, is he going to march out the club because he's sitting on the bench? But you never see anything like that from any of our players, not this kind of flinging hands in the air. Even And you, you see them angry at each other for not passing to each other or something, but it's 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 not this kind of uh, over-the-top tantrum behaviour. I don't know why this is relevant, but you reminded me of it just by bringing... <laughs> bringing that horrible team up and just the way that they act and the way that they are and everything that they stand for and, and do. Um, in the last couple of weeks, we were highlighting the pathetic uh, whoscored.com for putting Adam Forshaw in their worst team of the season. However, on their analysis of Tottenham's character... He scored very badly from the weekend as well, I noticed. There's something... Adam Forshaw breaks the algorithm. He was like, I'm sure he was our worst player according right. to their, their scores. To be fair, I mean, Pogba did rinse him, but as you said on the match ball, he was like... He also had a really good game at the same time. Yeah, second, second half, he was brilliant. Yeah, he was, um, I was just going to say on who scored, they're saying that the weaknesses of Spurs are stopping opponents from creating chances and defending attacks down the wings. So I say Leeds win for this one. Mm, it's uh, things that we like. So I say three points. Three points out of these two games I or would, four. I would very I, I gladly did, take three. I said in the run-up to the Man United game, all my ridiculous optimism was gone for the season. Ah, fuck it. I don't care anymore. <laughs> Fair point at left-back, do you reckon then? Whatever. <laughs> okay whatever good preview good yeah. preview that. we'll beat Spurs I think I have just looked up the uh, the who scored ratings Firpo was our best player in the, uh, who was in, our, and in, was Forshaw the worst not quite um, Stroik with a 4.9 mm. there's quite a few below him actually it goes uh, Stroik uh, Jackie Urente, Ailing, Cock then Forshaw and Gelhart I think there'll be some carryover of the atmosphere in fact Gelhart was worse than Forshaw from um from from the Man United game to the Spurs game, I think people want to continue that raucous kind of atmosphere. It won't have the same edge, but I think there'll be a good atmosphere on Saturday. I think so, and I think it will hopefully lift the team. And stupid early kickoff, isn't it? Oh, is it? It's lunchtime, isn't it? Maybe not. Then I don't know. It depends. How much drinking can you do from seven thirty in the morning? <laughs> That's the question. How many golf balls can you go buy from the American Golf Centre? Now, now, we're, we're not condoning that. We are condoning uh, if anybody wants yeah, to don't kind throw of golf uh, balls. Um, say mean things to Stefan Freund if he's there because um. There was the weird period at the end of the 90s when, mainly thanks to George Graham and David O'Leary having their weird fallout, Spurs against uh, Leeds was a pretty tasty fixture. And a lot of it was to do with Stefan Freund and Tim Sherwood being 
I can't remember and, if and they Will, played Willem together. Willem Carsten as well produced mm. some beef. And obviously the David Kerslake incident. Willem Carsten. There's a I mean, name for uh, anyone who was born in the last 20 years. <laughs> I mean, I'll have no idea. Of. This is just to shout like the pettiness of football fans, just for, for the benefit of anybody who's not old enough to know or is fairly new to this. Willem Carsten came on loan to Leeds from the Netherlands, didn't he? Was it 1997-ish, 1998, mm. something like that? Spent a few games on loan. Was good. For a look, yeah, look, looked very good. Looked tidy. Did he get injured or did he get injured when he got, went there? No, he went. He then signed for Spurs, got injured, yeah. and everyone thought it was hilarious. So George Graham went to Spurs from us as manager, and then he went to Spurs and signed for them, basically fully Judas does, didn't he? Mm -hmm. And we all desperately wanted him to fail and, and laughed. Karma got him. And, yeah, and he got seriously injured. And we yep. were glad, weren't we? Truthfully, yeah. yeah. And it's now 2022, <laughs> and we can still reference it. I think I think um, it was 20, 25 years ago. Not that it stuck with us. I have a real feeling Maurizio Terrico once really annoyed me for Spurs yeah, as well. Yeah. Stefan Freund was always the one that absolutely was just, he was one of the worst examples of a, a human to have, um, <laughs> to have played the game. Doesn't his surname mean friend in German? And well, that's exactly. quite ironic. Yeah, yeah he but was no friend uh, to us, was he? He was just horrendous all the time. Just a real right. bad, Cole, bad person. Liverpool and Spurs, Michael. Zero points. Moscow. Mm, I don't know what's going to happen against Spurs. No points. <laughs> All right. Are you pairing negative, Nancy? I'll, I'll say definite three points, if not four. <laughs> and <laughs> let's see how this one comes back. Five. To five. Go go possibly mm. five. I, I'm not feeling five. No. No, to okay. be honest. Pro three or four. I'd settle for six, but I think it's going to be three or six, four. Six, but with a point deduction for throwing stuff. <laughs> 
you can do, oh, yes, you I can just... use, you can use the internet. There are several there are several yeah. people who picked up on uh, Ronaldo's. Yeah, we can't um, say that past. Just Google that one if you if you really mm, want to. Can't say that on weight of nominations. McTominay, who we probably do need to discuss. Yeah, we can't say that one either. <laughs> we can discuss um, his face mm-hmm. because it's, it's a scum face. It is. It's absolute classic scum face. <laughs> I was discussing this on a, on a WhatsApp group the other day, people with scum faces. Do you remember, uh, he never did like much for them after after an initial few goals, but do you remember Makeda who played for scum? He had yeah. a real strong scum face. He was like a, a badly made Ronaldo in the way he's, he kind of looked. Um, I, f- I feel like he should have had a better career there due to his scum face. But McTominay is doing all right there. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just everyone essentially making the same point that he should have been sent off for well, about a dozen fouls that mm. he seemed to get away with, at least three or four of which were red, were yellow card offences. Yeah, lots of C-bombs on this sheet. I'm just having a look through some of the nominations. Quite a lot of pricks. Uh, the word nasty, whopper is used uh, for fans of the burger. Um, yeah, bastards. So, I'll stop swearing just because we don't want to get... <laughs> um, and Just Jake, for example, um, talking about Craig Pawson. Was Pawson the VAR? Um, I've no idea. I don't know if he's got it wrong. Did he mean per- McTurney? To, to be perfectly honest, because right. it was definitely McTurney who was the ref. But he's, he's called him C-Bommy McC-Bomb. Okay. Um, yeah, it's brought the worst out of people, I think, because this yeah, game, people, I, have, people have been... Not sensing a lot of love, to be honest. People have been angry. The the one on Cork, uh, Bielsa said this morning that it's um, fine. <laughs> he was cool with it. said, have another go if you want. But the one on uh, Joffy, that I think is the one he finally got booked for, Horrible bloody tackle. Mm. And then it's, it's moments after that that he goes in on uh, Furpo. And I highlighted this on the match ball, but I will reiterate it now we're, we're on this. After he goes in on Furpo, the speed with which Tierney books Rafinha for descent, he's barely got a word out. And he immediately is just card points. Like there's a big crowd of players pointing at him. You, yellow card for just coming over here. And in set against all the things that all their players have been doing all game, it was just how how did you get your card out that quickly for this and not for any of that? And the other side of um, Luke Shaw making it so late into the game without a yellow card meant that when Furpo went through Ilanga, he was completely at leisure to come running over. He'd not been booked yet, so we can get into Furpo's face. And Furpo was booked essentially for being shouted at by Luke Shaw. Shaw got a booking as well. If he'd had a booking for one of the tackles that he should have been booked for, he wouldn't have been able to come over and start that big brawl for what was a very good tackle that was given as a throw-in. And then um, I think Furpo only got the yellow card because of his his reaction to Luke Shaw sprinting across and shoving him. And also the one Cheats. the one that Bielsa was saying was fine that injured Cog. I don't think that is fine. No, it's, it's he absolutely sees that he's he's passing the ball off and he uses it as a it's a it's a cheap shot. He has it. Essentially, it's leaving your body in. I don't I don't think he means to cut his head, but I think he means to give him a give him a piece yeah, a decent knock. Talking and, about intent, it's, yeah. And I was going to say that seems to have been the the mitigation for it. No intent to injure was the reason why some of these weren't mm-hmm. booked. But that's not the point, is it? I mean, Bielsa actually meant this is about as near as Bielsa has come to criticizing a referee. Actually, in the press conference today, he was saying. Pascal was sent off for something with no intent and this was the same, mm. essentially. But we you know we had to suffer a red card for that, which mm-hmm. and the the Stroke one, he very, very cleanly wins the ball as well. Like and it's and it's a tackle. Whereas yeah. this is nothing. This is just running into someone. People think you've been swivel eyed lunatics when you start talking about this stuff and saying like 
some of the reasons why they didn't get booked is because of the shirt they're wearing. It really is. I mean, it is. I think the refs are kind of intimidated. Maybe it's on a subconscious level, but they don't want to be seen to um, be sending off or having a negative impact on some of the so-called bigger clubs, like the big six clubs. I think it's a real thing. Well, it's the other thing about the speed with which Rafinha was booked for his descent is I saw Pogba in particular after Rodrigo had kicked the ball away, marching over to the referee said, he's just kicked the ball over there. Yeah, you yeah. need to start, you need yeah. to do something He was wagging his finger, wasn't he? Yeah. And you had it from Ronaldo in his face all game. Fernandez never gives up. None of them got booked. But then Rafinha, one word, white shirt, yellow card. And on the, the McTominay one on Cock, he's tried it because it's the start of the game, first five minutes, let him know I'm there kind of thing. And if the referee had given him a yellow card, it changes the rest of the match. And we kind of praised him for wanting to let some of it go. And he did, in terms of tackle for tackle, letting a lot of things go was good. Reading the conditions right, this is a hard game, tough game, everything's, everything's cool. But at the same time, he ended up with nine yellow cards. So his tactic of, if I let all this go, the game will flow and there won't be too many bookings in this, didn't work because he ended up just flashing yellow cards around at everybody because he didn't keep a lid on it. And if you've done, you can do both. You can get a yellow card for Scott McTominay on that one and say, nope, that's a line you're not crossing in this game. And then let the tackles happen that are actually fair legal tackles. It's just... But let's just nominate for villain. JV called it right on the feedback form, actually, saying um, he had substitute teacher vibes the entire game. Started out trying to be too pally and hip, but quickly lost all respect and control by the end of it. And he, he did. Yeah. Got to the last few minutes and he was like, right, I, I'm just going to start. I can start booking people now because I probably won't have to send anyone off. Yeah. And the consistency across the game was entirely lost by that point because things that were a yellow card in the last 10 minutes had not been a yellow card for the other 80. And it, it makes the complete shambles of it. Yeah, so yeah, there's loads of nominations for him, loads of nominations for just Man United. I mean, like, I think it's probably best um, summarised by Will. Well, Will says, scum as a club just in general, just carpet bomb the whole fucking lot, which is one option. Complain about the ref as well. The downside of these being on YouTube now and it being Man United, yeah. you'll get people who are not Leeds yeah. fans watching this and leaving comments. Don't leave a comment. It's yeah. not for you. And also, I don't care. Just Do you know, do you know what I'll do with those comments? I'll ignore them all. I'll, I might even delete some because we can because it's our YouTube channel. <laughs> It's, it's in our gift yeah it's a, it's a weird thing that happens now yeah. Um, yeah, no, this, this I honestly is, don't care about your opinion or your Ronaldo avatar or whatever go away this is purely for Leeds this fans this is for Leeds fans and it's biased Yeah, <laughs> for Leeds fans very clearly biased for Leeds fans scum yeah. bastards <laughs> right well we're on it uh, Maguire as well Jelly says uh, showing his name to home fans like we don't recognise the club footed erratic potato painting <laughs> level of football intelligence and seasons have been terrible <laughs> Um, and when you've got Easter Island on top of your neck you should probably score every corner not one in 140 arrogant scum bastard that seems fairly comprehensive yeah and fair uh, I also enjoy there doesn't seem to be a name on this one but Fred get a proper Brazilian name you're clearly from Bolton oh, that was um, yeah it's like Alan uh, Everton as well I mean two of them. most of what Clarky Boys put here under his uh, Ronaldo nomination I can't say for legal reasons mm. but you know, I can't say that one. Hang on. But he does pick out something else that's not related to Ronaldo. He said uh, the linesman as well for flagging James offside on a marginal in the first half, but let, can't say that allegation, can't say that allegation, carry on playing until he finally missed in the second half before putting his flag up. Yeah. Um, I think he did it twice, didn't he? He let, yeah, yeah. He let obvious offsides go for ages and then he was like... Mm. And, and, but and there, was, there was one of them where I actually saw him move his arm reflect, like reflexively and then put it back down and he realised, oh, and this is the problem that they've given the, the linesmen and I don't, and I don't ever want to defend them because they're all awful people uh, for even wanting to do the job and they do it badly, all of them, was that 
they must have that moment's doubt. Am I allowed to put my flag? And then you've taken your eye off the game. You're not concentrating. You're second guessing yourself. And it's, if it's, it's offside, they, just put your flag up. Well, you did it against James in the first half, didn't you? As soon as he went, flag up. It's if they Idiots. score from this and I've put my flag up, then I'll will have missed a goal. But then if they go on and I don't put my flag up and they get a corner from it and he was offside, get but in I, the bin. I wasn't sure enough that they can have a corner and then the corner isn't taken back and it's the it, bin. Yeah. They've made a, a difficult job. Even harder. Almost impossible with, with some of the rules of kind of inflicted upon him. And also, if we're on making the officials' jobs difficult, Fernandez gets several. Um, I wish this microphone was a penis. Mm-hmm. This one here. Um, I wish that person would change their name, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, well, but you, you could change it if you want. You don't, we don't have to read it out. Barry says, that's what I'm calling from now on, um, it's looking like a sloth as well he gets nominated for. You could just call him microphone. That'd be easier. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, Mikey P. <laughs> Pudsy Bod for acting like Bruno Fernandez. He's, I mean, we know you know what you're getting with him, don't you? Yeah, he's uh, a dreadful man, and I think Rafinha should keep better company. Quite frankly, yeah. well, we liked one of his um, his Instagram his Instagram posts, posts yeah. about it, didn't he? Which caused some. I mean, I can't get mad about that. If their mates fine, they're they live in an industry. I mean, he's not going to be at Leeds forever. None of them are. You know, What's, don't love anything. Just don't fall in love. <laughs> That's what we're saying. You'll only, it'll only end in misery. Stuart Dallas, he's someone you can fall in he love is, with. He is. He is. He's a wholesome boy, isn't he? He's a wholesome boy. Um, yeah, scum parents and kids. That's uh, are we getting into the children now? <laughs> it's quite a niche one, is this from Miserable Dave for the characters in the local pub who let the feral little scum bastard children run around screaming Sue during um, before and after the game. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Don't let your kids yeah, do at that. At least we didn't have to enjoy that. I mean, thanks to Melier's save, we didn't imagine that twat doing that in front of the. <sighs> anyway, uh, oh, we get a mention like quite apart from all the obvious ones. Christine suggests that we consume far too much sugar during the shows. And actually, it's not correct. Um, Well, no, these are every single drink we have is sugar free. It's true. They're full of. um, I mean, we're absolutely. Full of lethal chemicals. Lethal chemicals. Full full of caffeine. Oh, I should say on the behalf of the Coca Cola company, they're not lethal chemicals. They're they're perfectly safe artificial sweeteners. Full of non lethal chemicals. (laughs) That was was a joke. Mind you, in fairness, there's probably about a billion YouTube videos saying that Coca-Cola are poisoning people. So Which they're not. Which I think is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but we had, yeah, we're just hyped up on caffeine, that's all. That's the one. We didn't even realise there's caffeine in the Iron Brew Extra, mm. um, which is an interesting slant. So uh yeah, we this is seven seven up free, no sugar in that. We're we we're, we're, we're trying to look after ourselves as best we can, as you can probably tell. So you know don't worry Christine, but thank you for your concern. The pitch gets picked out as well for it being wet. Uh, but I mean like that's more to do with Mother Nature wasn't it than uh, the pitch itself because they are designed I remember when I, was, I got in that pitch wormhole at the start of the season when we were having it relayed that they can hand, it can handle a tremendous amount of water like it's some daft like 50 litres per foot per minute or something stupid I don't know but it's I mean, a lot. I mean that sounds like a real a lot a real lot but um, yeah, yeah but I mean but when it keeps pissing out of the sky at the rate it did on Sunday it still needs to go somewhere doesn't it it's, it's a lot of rain that it was having to handle mm. I mean it, it would have been called off on last year's pitch which would have been better. Yeah. So, yeah. Who knows? Right. Lorente gets a, a nomination by Mikey Mikey P. Uh, Pascal's hair tie from Sean as well because his, um, his beautiful hair came down. That was quite a distraction to be fair, suggesting it took away his powers. Because was it Samson, the, the biblical character who had his hair cut and lost his powers or was he a, he's one of the gods or whatever? Yeah, so that's, um, it's the opposite of what happened here is uh, Pascal's hair came loose but it's two games in a row that we have seen his main at its fullest, and I, for one, am in favour of it. I mean, it used to be uh, Brian Kilcline didn't used to wear a, a hairband, did he? 
Another Gen Z reference there. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, a- was... 80s footballer Brian Kilkline. Have a look at I him saw on. him playing for Halifax Town well into the 90s, I'll yeah, let you know. So but I would love, it's a modern reference. I would love to see Ailing and Stroik just lining up with the hair out and play the game just 90 minutes with the hair everywhere. Because when you go for a... Do you remember the um, the whole new ball game advert that launched the Premier League? It launched with somebody jumping in the air, but Paul Walsh yeah, style. Yeah. It wasn't him, but it was very reminiscent. Um, and heading a big, it looks like a big long, uh, um, just a goalkeeper clearance, heading it on with their hair, zooming out behind them. And it looks magnificent. And mm-hmm. I don't know why um, players hide these beautiful um So Sky can have a nomination things. for not, if they should have, they should have captured um, Pascal in super slow-mo, you know, the really high frame rate and then slowed it really right yeah, down. Yeah, good is he's, you know, giving the ball to Fernandez <laughs> for the fourth goal. Right. Um, yes. Let's pick a um, a villain of the week, then, please. How do we how do we pin it down to just one? I mean, McTominay and the ref are essentially one and the same, aren't they? Because you can't almost blame McTominay for continuing to kick people when you realise mm. you can get away with it. You'd be yeah. like, "This is this is perfect. I've unlocked some sort of secret code. I can do anything I want." Like there's people, you know, I've seen those like those feeders people who like actively like feed people up because they've mm-hmm. got a, a kink for the larger person. It's almost like that. There, there's an enabler there. <laughs> okay, I was. Not where I'd have gone with it, but no. have you been watching some some of that recently? No. Okay. <laughs> well, you're looking lovely. That's what I'll say. Thank you, Mike. And I think um, just keep going with it. Keep but going with the cakes. We've got an enabler on there, and that was Tierney. Was it the ref? Was it the ref? Was it Fernandez? A lot to go at. Yeah. The thing with Fernandez is he's acting completely in accord with just who he is. Mm. So it's difficult to kind of pick him out just for this game. It's just yeah, he did. He was Bruno Fernandez, and that's enough for me. Um, to want him to be harmed, not quite to the extent that, that Michael um, discussed earlier, but somewhere on the along the lines. But then, is it fair then to nominate him as a, a villain of the week when it's basically his entire life that you're that we are, you know, dealing with? Well, McTominay and the ref do share a very similar number of nominations on the sheet, and they do carry the weight of nominations, which is always a good indicator of where this one should go. I think as a pair, they should have mm. it. Yeah, it was Matt W's suggestion actually. This they should just be united by a backslash. Where is Paul Turney from? He's from Lancashire somewhere, isn't he? Is it Scott? Oh, it's where Scott God, McTominay you're from. Arsenal Scott, fan now, aren't you? I think this... Scott McTominay is Scottish, right? <laughs> Although whether he's proper Scottish, I'm not. I've not done enough research. Well, I let's mean, let's assume um, because that's <laughs> the best way to deal with. I don't know if he's Liam Cooper Scottish. I was just going to say, uh, is is Paul Turney Uncle Paul to McTominay? That's all I was going to ask. He's just trying to look out for his nephew or whatever. Even if it's an informal uncle, you know, like when you lived locally, like three doors down, you'd have like Auntie Bev or whatever. She wasn't your real auntie. Yeah, Scott McTominay, born in Lancaster. Scum face. Right. Um, Perfect. (laughs) Explains it all. Explains it all. So are they having it then? The McTominay, Tierney, Axis of Evil. Why not? Fine. Right. Uh, Let's pick a hero of the week. Then the Gitano Baradi hero of the week. And speaking of Baradi, do go and watch slash listen to our special interview with him that went out just before the Man United game. Nice chap, getting on well in Switzerland. Uh, Played a full 90 at the weekend, didn't he? And um, didn't get sent off or booked in a game where there was a red card, I think, for his team. There was one for one of his teammates and his manager got sent off right at the start of the game as well. So Baradi got a booking just just before halftime. Not sure for what, probably an injustice. He didn't deserve it. He never does, but he managed to keep his head while all around him were losing theirs and got a 1-1 draw for Sion against FC Zurich, which is a good result if you're down to 10 players and your manager's been sent off. Good. He's keeping everybody sane amid the uh, the violence. Good old Tano. 
Uh, and Liam has said he did watch the interview and he did imagine in his own head Berardi splitting one of those scum bastards in half, as he describes it. Which Why is, stop at one? But yeah. 4-2, it would have been worth the sport to bring him on, wouldn't it? It's just mm. to, even if... Just to calm things down. That's even if it's such a vicious assault that you get banned for the rest of your career, it's worth going out on a high, isn't it? Well, like Zidane, final game. I'm just mm. going to headbutt someone. What mm. are they going to do? You ban me. <laughs> Bothered. We're arresting you then, Zinedine. So what? <laughs> anyway, uh, sidetracked. Forshaw gets nominations. Click gets nominations. Uh, Rodrigo gets nominations. Rafinha does. So does Dan James. I enjoy Rich nominating Forshaw for sliding around like a child. <laughs> What's our best player, though? He does also. So. There's also nominations for Pablo Hernandez, Ilan Melier, Junior Firpo. Mm. And... I raised this in the... Uh, I mean, Chris Wood for meowing at Kurt Zuma as well. Feels well, like I'll come to that, I'll come to that. <laughs> There's, But I raised this on the match ball. And Michael, you you brought these forward from the sheet. Did nobody nominate Joffe? Um, I don't think they did. It's been month after month of everybody tearing their eyes out because Gelhart can't get in the team. He comes on. He's brilliant. He's part of the, the fight back to get us back to 2-2 against our mortal enemy. And nobody gives a toss. <laughs> Didn't score, did he? useless bastard it's, play Eddie and Ketia it's so it's no, but, but you, you don't have unbelievable to. to me no it's not it's not he came on and, and he was good but it's then rubbish but then everyone would have gone well we knew he was good so that's what we expected but there were bigger things going on around him such as the, the refereeing injustices and 24 seconds of madness and so but on. then how come everybody else I mean Melier conceded four and he gets a nomination and, for, he, was, and he was at fault for two of them exactly <laughs> and nobody's got not even got a good word to say about him he's probably I mean you worry about what people, uh, Tyler Roberts in particular, might think about what people are oh, saying about him on the internet. Here we but go. now we've got to go and look after Joffe. It's like, I'm sorry that nobody thinks you played well. You did very well. Joe, if you, Joseph, as I know you, you preferred to call yourself on the, the Christmas video with Charlie Creswell, you played very well and I hope you get in the team more often from now on. Speaking I alone will stick up for you against all these people who apparently now hate Joffe Gelhart. Speaking of, of Tyler Roberts, I need to dob one of my mates in who... Gives, gives Tyler Roberts no end of abuse on a WhatsApp group. Happened to be in the same curry house as him on the weekend. Ended up buying Tyler Roberts' curry for him. A man who probably earns 20 grand a week. He paid £90 for his curry. And I think that of his mates that he was with as well. And woke up the next morning to find a receipt and was like, I have a pot Tyler Roberts a curry. <laughs> There's my hero of the week. Does he remember their say. interaction? Not massively no <laughs> I have a feeling Tyler probably does that's my favourite yeah. thing that's happened I mean it, I mean, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have take 90, you shouldn't take money off someone for buying you a curry should yeah, you? If you, oh, well, if you march up to the it, pay I desk mean, and say I'm paying it may have just been the quickest way to get him to yes. fuck off in fairness <laughs> which is understandable like, <laughs> if you yeah fine but just, now here we've got to the point where people are buying Tyler Roberts a curry Anywhere he goes. And well, Joffy is probably reverting to type, trying to find a rat in a bin just to feed himself from morning <laughs> to night because nobody will even give him a bio and just cuff him round the ear as he goes past. Rubbish. So anyway, that's Tyler Roberts. Uh, and that's marvel. Uh, that is really, I think that's, that's Trump just about anything is that. Mm. The spinelessness of the football fan who will anonymously slag off a footballer. But to when his he, face. But, oh, you're great, you. But when he's there. Can I, can I you come with Mr. Rabbit? Oh, well done. On um, the reason Chris Wood is here, he is um, apparently the story goes that he was meowing at Kurt Zuma during Newcastle versus West Ham, which, if it's true, it's fantastic. A sense of humour that I never thought Chris Wood um, would be capable of displaying. And it turns out probably he didn't. 
But what I love about it and why I would like to continue the nomination is because the various Newcastle fan sites, the Mag and the Geordie Boot Boys, they seem to have got themselves into this utter um, world where anything mentioned about Newcastle, whether it's the ownership or whether it's the idea that their striker might have good-humouredly or hilariously meowed at an animal abuser. If you believe the internet, Chris Wood meowed at Kurzuma. Um, the story went viral, so much so that it's now being reported as news. This story has not been verified by anyone reputable. It originated from an alleged in-the-know account that regularly, regularly gets things wrong about mm. Newcastle United. Perhaps he's in on the joke, but this made-up story has captured the nation's... Um, I mean, we do know how the, the Saudis hate inaccurate reporting, don't we, by journalists. This is it. The claim about Wood is pure fiction. Have you seen that, fiction. that tweet that's doing the rounds today? Because I think it's like the Saudi National Day or something like that. And the Forlock Tuggers are saying, oh, we should we should celebrate Saudi National Day. Post this in your avatar. Fuck off. The, uh, the, headline, off it. the headline in the mag is Kurt Zuma, Chris Wood, Craig Dawson, Meowgate, the truth. And, is this where we are now? Yes. The, it's good that they're, they're so um, angry about it's it. It's good that they're having a hard-hitting investigation into this, whereas the Saudi stuff, they're like, it's probably fine. Yeah. Seems yeah. like a great bunch of lads. Well, it looks you could almost take everything that they've been saying about their ownership and just copy and paste and put in Meowgate instead, which is what they're calling it. Not a single one of them quotes the source of where they originally got the story. There's a very good reason for that. Very predictably, there is no credible source. Certainly from what I have found, having looked and looked, literally it appears that somebody has simply made it up. I, yes, I, I just made it. it up with what then seems a never-ending <laughs> stream of people ready and willing to repeat it. I'd want it to be true. Exactly. I don't it's understand brilliant. why they're so angry about it. It's like, it's it's funny. And maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. It would be the best thing Chris Wood's ever done if it happened. I would like, it would be fantastic. I guess if you start crawling out cruelty to animals, it's a slippery slope. And before you know it, you have to start defending cruelty to humans and then yeah. it's into criticising the ownership. Mm. And But Chris Wood did not repeatedly shout meow at Kurt Zuma during the match. Craig Dawson did not go and complain about it to referee Chris Kavanagh at halftime. None of it happened, unless, of course, you can prove it to me otherwise. You know, like a proper first-hand report where somebody such as the referee or one of the players is actually spoken to and confirms it. it. We want the truth, but journalists especially should be taking some notice of it. Brackets, the truth. <laughs> it's just... I thought they wanted journalists to keep their nose out of Newcastle's <laughs> business. Yeah. But what they actually want is somebody to you know, pin Chris, Chris Wood against the door. Did you meow at him? Mm. Did you? I've got the bone saw here. Did you? Twat. So, uh, so that's Chris Wood gets a nomination for definitely, absolutely, I believe it happened, meowing at Kurt Zuma for 94 minutes of the game mm. in a New Zealand accent. Have we mentioned Dan James yet? Little scum bastard. Loads of people <laughs> describing it as a little yeah, scum bastard. Yeah, Dan James, the little scum bastard. He never stops. He, he got an assist. Yeah. Uh, um, Gouldy sent the little scum bastard for his clear and obvious joy after assisting for his equaliser against his long-forgotten former club. Yep, yeah, well done. The little scum bastard does not stop running. Uh, Dan James, little scum bastard, looked threatening all game, yeah. deserved a goal, much more dangerous on the wing, and kind of um, linked to um, Dan James. Ronaldo gets one as well for... Don't say what it says on the paper, please. Um... Scumbastard, that's fine. Oh, no, no, the, the bit after that, where he describes the little scumbastard as being better value than the Portuguese, and we'll leave it there. Okay, yeah. Player, um, football player. Footballer. Uh, yeah, but I mean, them paying him whatever it is. Half a million Half a million week. pounds a week meant they had to sell as Dan James. Yeah. And a, 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 a knockdown price, quite frankly. It was a fair price. <laughs> <laughs> Whether we overpaid for Dan James or not, I don't care. He's great. 
What mm. more do you want from a winger? Yeah. I, am starting, I am starting to really like the little scumbass that so so. flying into tackles. Lionel That's Rich- a Leeds well, winger Lionel, all over. Lionel Richie's been in touch of all people. Um, I didn't realise he was a TSB Plus member, but thank you, Lionel. He says, Dan James, the little scumbass had never stopped running all night long, some might say. <laughs> oh, that's very good. Thank you. I think it was a really obvious joke, to be fair, but yeah, yeah probably. Shoehorned it in there. Bielsa for trolling Leeds fans. Uh, ben Strafinia. Mm. Is this a hero award? Yeah, not feeling it. Uh, crowd. Yeah, it was fine, wasn't it? Good. Nice edge to it. Storm Eunice has had um, nominations after the villain nomination, so there is the other side of that. There's the mention for Paddy Miller and Chicago Town for sorting out yes. uh, lots and lots of pizzas for Leeds Food Bank, one of those uh, peculiar um, things that happens on the internet sometimes where a, a social media manager at Chicago Town is probably in trouble for costing them money with thousands <laughs> and thousands of pizzas, but everybody seemed happy with the... Probably about 10 quid's um, worth of stock has gone there. The result, yeah. So, But no, that was a uh, great effort and um, Paddy's kind of um, absolute just... There never seemed to be any question that he's going to have a single one of these pizzas. It's not, no, give them what I mean, I'm giving them away, which is I perfect. think they should give him an additional thousand and make him eat them all. <laughs> Just like like see. in the film Cool Hand Luke with the eggs. <laughs> exactly. You've got to shovel egg after you're every gonna, pizza. You're going to have to have pizza. two or three a day yeah. for the rest of the year and see how you get on. <laughs> uh, but was it, was it Morgan Spurlock who did the McDonald's one of that? Um, mm, super super, super size, size, Yeah, anyway. That 24 seconds gets a nomination by a couple of people. Uh, the concept of time Marvin enjoyed. And Ryan has extended it out into a full minute, that one minute period where our goals were scored. And to say over up was it on propaganda that like in years to come, assuming we don't go down this season, hopefully we don't, I'll remember that half a minute, minute for a long time. Um, I sort of will and I won't. It, it falls into the category of... I know it feels a bit Derby playoff semi-final, doesn't it? And, and also... But I did enjoy it at And the like the, the sort of playoff games as well, you know, where you... Becky you kind of, yeah. You celebrate him and you, you sort of think, yeah, that was a great moment. But it's but tainted. Ultimately, yeah. House and uh, Carlisle... Yeah, brilliant. But what did we do? We went to play Doncaster and didn't yeah, turn up. Yeah, but all these years later, I still remember being on that terrace at Carlisle and, and nearly, the, and nearly dying. Not, is there not a bit of you that goes, ah. Yeah, but no. fo- football, I mean, as much as we poke fun at Derby for like the way that they harp on about the, the playoff semi-final, football is about moments, isn't it? And it's the moments that you remember. I remember I don't allow myself to enjoy very much. Becky you well-placed, <laughs> even though even that game... It wasn't even about like going to a final and, and losing. We lost the game that Becky Hill scored that goal in. It's still a great example of what Elland Road can be like. And mm. I think that's where... Um, Bryn Law enjoyed it. Did that's you where that? Sunday comes to. I've not listened to it yet, but it's where um, Sunday fits into that category as well of like, that's what it can be like. And that's why you um, you cling to those moments regardless of the result. Is, is, can anywhere else be like that? Is You know, even if Brentford... We always pick on Brentford. Had scored two goals in 24 seconds at their new stadium or even their old stadium. Is it going to be like that? Mm. So nothing. You, nothing in life really is like football, is it? For no, the because no. obviously you and you talk about the happiest moments of your life, kids being born, that marriage, that sort of stuff. The kind of big stuff. They are good, but like when your kids born, you don't like grab the nurse and start shaking her about. Yeah, like yes, yes, it's did a you, boy. Did you not? <laughs> You know, you don't, you don't get to do that. You've got to be dignified and adult about stuff. And, and I haven't been back on that maternity ward since because the judge won't let me. <laughs> so, like, those are those are good moments, yeah. but they're not... They're Football not, delivers they're them. They're not explosively mad in Football the same way. Football delivers them all the time, doesn't it? No, not all the time, but you know you know, at least a couple of times a season you can have an absolute a moment of pandemonium no mm. matter what happens in the season. Things. But it's just more embarrassing to say what are the best moments of your life and saying 
Jermaine Beckford scoring against Bristol Rovers is not is not an acceptable answer. <laughs> yeah, it depends who you... I mean, that's the thing. One of the things that stops people from enjoying themselves enough is because with these two goals against Scum, the counter-argument is that, like, oh, it's Tim Pot because we lost the game and because Scum fans who were probably watching it on YouTube were going, ah, ha, ha, but we won. I don't care what they think, so why would I let them yeah. deny me the enjoyment of that moment? Like, it's completely irrelevant to me how I appear in the eyes of people who cheer Ronaldo. So I'll just enjoy our goals and yeah, no, being a Leeds fan. And it, it, was a, it was a truly brilliant moment. And it is something I will remember in years. To come in the same way, what I was going to say was what I remember about House and scoring at Carlisle is that moment. I don't remember the Wembley trip anywhere near as vividly as that moment because that was the fun bit. Mm. And you do remember the fun moments, don't you? And there's, a, and there's a moment as well. We didn't get to experience any of last season, did we? Not, not properly. It was the TV programme last year, wasn't it? And it was good at times. We had some some fun watching it, like watching Dick Newcastle and West Brom and stuff. It was it was really good fun, but it wasn't that, was it? It wasn't that moment of like something that really gets your heart pumping and makes you feel like you you're about to pass out. And, and I, it, I think that's that's what the actual joy is in in going to football. And it carries through as well because people who weren't there because they either live abroad or they can't get to a game or they can't afford a ticket. The fact that there are people there changes mm. the enjoyment of people at home enjoying it. You, They do get to join in on those moments in a way that if there's nobody there and everybody's watching it behind from behind closed doors, there's nothing really to feel a part of. Whereas whether you're inside that stadium or not, if you were watching that and you're a Leeds fan, you were completely united in the whole part of the thing. And it was a common experience, wasn't it? And it's not something yeah. that you get. Well, I don't know. I mean, I can't put myself into the head of like a uh, what are they called the the Korean boy band BTS. <laughs> I can't put myself into the head of a BTS fan and know that whether like you would shriek through one of their concerts if you're watching on a live stream as much as you would if you were in the room watching them. But certainly for what I've experienced in my life, nothing but football gives you any of that maybe I should try liking BTS because I don't think they're getting relegated. Mm. I mean, they might. I, I, I think I'm the only one in the room now who has no idea what, <laughs> what, what BTS is. Uh, it's a boy band. Yeah. That's all you need to know. They're very famous. Korean boy band. Okay. Very popular. Hugely popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and Coldplay did a, recently did a cynical um, song with them for the UK market. <laughs> okay, I'm just looking them up now. I'll, I'll let you know next week. Good. So, who is the hero? What is the hero? Well, it ain't Joffy, is it? Because nobody likes him. <laughs> Rodrigo gets most nominations along with little scumbastard Dan James. Um, I would give it to Dan James for the mm. uh, the redemption story. And, I feel like and this missing, was a, missing the chance to get a win. <laughs> I feel like it was a big um, a big step in the right direction for him on the path to affection. Yeah, I think like he, further he, down that road, I think he's already getting affection. Well, isn't exactly. Him? But this, so this is kind of the moment to to recognise where he's been, how far he's come. And this is kind of the staging post on the way where you can look back at him and say, wow, aren't you doing well? You little scumbastard. <laughs> you little scumbastard. <laughs> when, when does he shed that? Never. Never, okay. No, no he's, got to, he's got to keep it. He's got to wear that as a badge of honour and laugh about it. Yeah. I think he'd be fine with and it if, as well, And if he? he bumps into your mate, he'll buy him two curries. That's a promise from us. <laughs> uh, that does wrap up the show for this week then. Um, we'll be back next week with the weekly show. And um, four points better off, won't we? When... Uh, we we beat one of Spurs. Well, you'll have the Liverpool, Liverpool match ball first as well. Don't forget that that's yep. will be coming particularly. Yeah, Liverpool match ball, Spurs match ball as well. The oh. live version for the TSB Plus members, they get to see it in real time. And I'm because it's half term. I will be bringing my kids here uh, for the evening because my wife has kicked us all out of the house. So you you can go with your dad. 
to work. So um, well, I'm not sitting with him. They can go. They can go outside the studio. Well, Mick and we'll get him cooking for us out there. Get them on here. One there, one here. More intelligent than you two, anyway. Exactly. Right. We'll wrap it up there then. Thank you for watching and listening. We'll speak to you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.